so uh, grateful um, to to be together. Uh, Ron only broke one wrist this week, not two, so that's good. Uh, and uh, able to be here with us, he prayed for Jan uh, throughout this week, and now she's uh, with us again today. So just uh, good to be together, isn't it? Uh, and good to to have the very Word of God. Uh, good to be able to sing together. I'm so thankful uh, that we have the opportunity to gather and to sing. My voice is almost gone from preaching once and singing loudly. Uh, so, so if you think of it while I'm preaching, you could pray that God would allow that to continue uh, as long as He would like it to. Or maybe you're thinking like, oh, we'll just pray that He'll be done here pretty quick. Um, either way, uh, it's the Word of God, and so we want to hear it, uh, believe it, and obey it. Uh, uh, are you ready? That's a question we ask a lot of times, right? Uh, are you ready? We ask our kids in the morning, like, you ready for school? You got everything you need? Like, are you ready for lunch? Are you ready for bed? Are you ready for an end of the pandemic? Are you ready uh, to retire? Are you ready for all sorts of different things? Are you ready is a question that we ask a lot. That's the title of the message today. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Acts where we see God carrying out His plan that His church would expand throughout all nations, starting in Jerusalem and expanding to Judea, Samaria, and going to the ends of the earth. It happens when Holy Spirit-empowered believers simply proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and see God continue to work. Today, we're at the end of Acts chapter 8, and Philip has kind of been a main character in this chapter He just showed up one time really quickly in chapter 6. Then he's the main character here in chapter 8. We're not going to hear another thing about him until a quick mention in chapter 21. He's just an everyday average guy, but he was a guy who was ready. Philip was ready. And God's going to put Philip in touch with a man, an Ethiopian man, a man from Africa who was also ready. What was Philip ready for? What was the Ethiopian ready for? What are we to be ready for? Let's open up God's Word to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. A great passage for us to be in this morning as we continue this series in the book of Acts. If you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word? What a gift. Let's pray. Father, thank You uh, that we do have Your Word. Thank You that Your Holy Spirit worked through Luke, the doctor and historian, to write down every one of these words to give us an orderly account of how the work of Jesus continued in the first century. And I thank you that it continued uh, well beyond that to the point that somebody was faithful in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. And that for many of us, your Holy Spirit worked in such a way that when we heard the gospel, we believed. We were born again through faith in Jesus. And so, God, would you cause even somebody who is lost and needs to be born again uh, to be saved even today? And would you inspire, uh, push us? Uh, we know that we're already empowered. We know that we've been equipped. And so, God, would you, would you give us a nudge this morning that would move us ahead and being people who faithfully one-on-one share the gospel with somebody. So be at work, uh, accomplish through the reading and preaching of your word, whatever it is that you want to accomplish for our good and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read God's word, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 
And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Amen. You can be seated. Love this passage. Uh, there is uh, in your sermon or in your bulletin a sermon notes and life group guide. Uh, you're going to see in there the big idea listed, a long one today, but here's what I think it is trusting that God is orchestrating the details. Let's be ready to go where God wants us to go and share the gospel with whomever God places us so that people who are ready to hear it might believe, hear it and believe and be saved. Or something like that. I didn't quite read it right, but you can read. Uh, So go ahead and read that on your own. Point number one there is this, ready to go. And then there's going to be four questions that I'm going to ask you today that I think are really important as well. One, ready to go. At the end of the passage, it seems that Philip is miraculously, we just read it, Philip at the end of the passage is miraculously, miraculously taken from one place to another place. But here at the beginning of the passage, we have Philip. Remember, we've seen in the last couple of weeks and earlier in chapter 8, he has fled. He's one of those who lived in Jerusalem, came to faith in Jesus, so he's saved, but then he flees persecution with many other believers and goes north to the land of Samaria. He's given by God a fruitful ministry there. Mostly he's preached the word even to crowds. Now, i got to admit, I know that for some of you, as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to hear a lot of times where a person is addressing a crowd of people and sharing the gospel. And your response to that might be, well, that's not me. This is for like guys like Jeremy who can put a microphone over their head and stand in front of a crowd and talk. And there's a few other people who can do it, but that's not for me. This passage that we're looking at today would remind us that this is for us. Because we're not going to see Philip strap a microphone over his head and speak to a crowd. We're seeing Philip have an encounter with one individual. Any of you ever have encounters with one individual? You have one-on-one relationships with people? We're going to see how this kind of passage applies to us as we look at Philip talking with the Ethiopian eunuch here today. It's very clear that God orchestrates every detail of this. I just love 
this passage. So, at the end, Philip is seemingly miraculously spot, brought from one spot to another. But here at the beginning, he's up in Samaria, and he's told by an angel that he's got to make a trip. This time he doesn't get transported from one place to another. He's got to make a trip. Verse 26 says it this way. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So on the screen, you'll see uh, the, the little map right there. Samaria up north of Jerusalem. That's where he was. That's circled in green there. And then he's going to take uh, a trip to go to a road. We're not told. I don't know if he's told by the angel where on the road to go. It's a pretty long road. A road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. From Gaza, you would take a road that would lead you down to the continent of Africa. But what you're going to encounter after Gaza is desert. So Gaza is kind of like the last stop to get gas and pick up some pizza and stuff like that prior to traveling through the desert. Okay? So he's supposed to go on this road somewhere, and he does it. That's what it says in verse 27 anyway. Go ahead and look at verse 27. And he rose and went. Okay? It's not that he went because stuff wasn't going well in Samaria. Stuff was going very well in Samaria, but an angel of God is sent to tell him to go, and so he's ready to go. He goes. And by chance, of course, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. Okay, so Ethiopian. Now, now what they would have referred to as an Ethiopian in that day would be somebody that would live in modern day either very southern Egypt or northern Sudan, okay? So, so an African man, Ethiopian is what he's called here. He's a eunuch. You can ask your dad about that. A court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, okay? So he works in the royal court, and like many who would work in a royal court at that point, was a eunuch, and he's got an important job. He is in charge of the treasury of the queen. So we've learned a few things about him. Likely his skin is quite dark. Uh, Likely he is quite educated, which we'll find out later. Um, And likely quite wealthy as well, which we'll find out later. But we found out another very important thing at the end of verse 27. It says this, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Interesting, huh? So, So in Jerusalem, there is the temple for Followers of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, they would gather there together at the temple to worship Him. Now, there were Jewish people living outside of Jerusalem and outside of Israel, and there were people like this man, presumably, he could be a full-fledged Jewish convert, he certainly probably wasn't, you know, ethnically Jewish, but somebody who had heard of this God and would be referred to as like a God-fearing Gentile, okay? So somebody who had heard about this God and desired to know this God and worship this God. So he is on a trip, and he's going to come into contact with Philip on this road, but he's on the road because he's already been in Jerusalem to worship God. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, he almost certainly would not have been allowed to enter the inner courts of the temple like people, citizens there of Jerusalem would have been. Um, But he was able to in some way go and to worship God the God of the Bible, in that place. And now he's on his way back. And it says this in verse 28. He was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
Now this is interesting. This is where we start to learn a couple of things about him. That he's an educated man because he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And also because he has a scroll of the prophet Isaiah with him. This would not have been common. It was not even common for most people in Israel to have any copy of a scroll of the very word of God. But this man, sitting in a chariot, heading back to his home in Africa, has a scroll of Isaiah with him. Hard for us to understand who have such easy access to the Word of God that most people didn't have this kind of access to the Word of God in that day. And it just so happens that Philip is just going to happen to meet this guy who just happens to be a God-fearing Gentile, who just happens to have a scroll, who just happens to be reading from the book of Isaiah, and in fact, the portion of Isaiah that he's reading from is... uh, quite interesting, which we'll get to here in a moment, but let's not jump ahead. Let's look at verse 29. Verse 29 says this, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Go over and join this chariot. Here's where it becomes very clear that God is orchestrating every detail of this. I told you I'm going to ask you four questions today, and the first one is this. Are you ready to go to an unlikely place or talk to an unlikely person when called? Are you ready to go to an unlikely place or talk to an unlikely person when called? Maybe it's a big call that God has. Sometimes God does that. You know, we, Ron just prayed for our missionaries. One of our missions partners, Mary Beth, was just a teacher here in town until God called her to what she thought was a short-term mission trip to the continent of Africa, to the nation of Nigeria, where she's now lived for 25 years, married to a Nigerian man, and leading a ministry there. Maybe it's a big call like that. Right? Uh, so, so we often think of like calling mission trip, right? Calling pastor, you know, something like that. I, I, as a new believer in college, got to go on a mission trip shortly after becoming a believer, going on a mission trip to the city of New Orleans, where part of our time there was spent every evening on Bourbon Street, an unlikely place uh, for a, a group of believers to be hanging out, on Bourbon Street in New Orleans doing the work of street evangelism, okay? So, so that's one unlikely place that I got to go. And so God might be calling you to an unlikely place like that, just like he called Philip to go to a road that led from Jerusalem down to Gaza to the desert of Africa. But more likely, and in some ways more challengingly, if that's a word, you have received some kind of nudge from God at some point in your life to just talk to somebody to share the gospel with somebody, maybe for you kids who go to school, maybe it's somebody you don't even know all that well, be like, I kind of feel like God wants me to talk to that person about Jesus. Are you ready to do that? If God kind of gives you that idea, like maybe even now you're sitting here thinking like, I'm talking and you're thinking of that person at work. You're thinking of that person that you know from the community and you don't know why God just put that person in your mind just now. You ready to go? Ready to go and just start a conversation that might lead to an open door? You might just find that that person is ready to hear the gospel. So, Philip was called away by God to go to an unlikely place to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. Point number two, he was ready to share. Look at verse 30. Is he going to go? Yes, verse 30. So Philip ran to him. 
and so so it wasn't even just like uh like i don't know if he had to catch up a little bit or like it wasn't like he was just like he had to like really go to that chariot talk to that guy okay so he runs uh he runs to him and heard him reading isaiah the prophet i didn't know this until recently was when i was studying this that uh in that day nobody really read silently you know how like we're reading a book like kids, you're reading a book for school, you read silently. Nobody in that day, it seems, really read silently. When people read, they always read out loud, is what I, what I read silently. Um, and it says that Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? I love that the first thing that Philip does is not just start preaching. He asks him a question. You understand what you're reading? I wonder if a huge smile flashes across Philip's face, though, when he hears that this guy is reading the Bible, and he's reading from Isaiah 53. Because if you want a spot in the Bible, that gives you a great opportunity to, like, we believe that, that all of the Old Testament points us ahead to Jesus, right? But, it, but if, there's, if there's a spot in the Old Testament that allows you to really quickly get to the gospel, Isaiah 53 has got to be, like, in the top five, right? And so... So I wonder what kind of joy just kind of came into Philip. It's like, he's reading Isaiah 53. So he asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, I love the humility of this Ethiopian, like educated, wealthy, God-fearing Ethiopian man who says, how can I unless someone guides me? You can relate to that, right? You can relate to reading scripture and saying, yeah, this is great. I just don't understand it. That's where he's at. He doesn't really get what he's reading. How am I supposed to unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Man, all this stuff just happening by chance. Incredible, huh? Or God's orchestrating every detail of this. Verse 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. And he's reading out of Isaiah 53. Right now he's at verses 7 to 8 which say, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. This is part of, it actually kind of starts back in chapter 52, verse 13. goes all the way through 53. A time when Isaiah the prophet is pointing God's people ahead to this one who would come to be a suffering servant. Now, Jewish people in that day had not made the connection that, that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one prophesied by the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah were the same person. But they are. Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one, the king, the Christ, the Messiah, and he is the suffering servant. And so this is why this is a perfect spot for him to be reading right now if Philip's goal is to get him to Jesus. So he's reading that about this suffering servant who would be, have his life unjustly taken away from him. If you, we're not going to take time to do it here. I think I have it in the life group guide. I'd encourage you to go back sometime this week and read the rest of Isaiah 53 and be amazed again at the precision with which God gives Isaiah a prophecy pointing ahead to Jesus. It's incredible. So that's what we see in Isaiah 53. I, I got to point out one thing. We got, I, I, so my life group gets sometimes like a preview of the, of the uh, sermon a little bit, whether they like it or not. Um, and, and when we met on Thursday, I had just studied, or on Tuesday, 
I had just studied this. I want you to turn to Isaiah really quick. So turn to Isaiah 53. So I don't know if this Ethiopian eunuch had like the entire scroll of Isaiah or if he had like the second half of Isaiah or just a portion of it. We don't know what he had. He at least had chapter 53, it looks like, right? So he's reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. The stuff he would have read right before that, absolutely incredible. But here's what I want you to look at really quick. I got to find it again. Okay, turn to Isaiah 56. Okay, now put a bookmark in there, and I don't think this is the right time to look at it, but remind me if I forget. We're going to go back there. Put a bookmark in there. We're going to go back there here in a little bit. Now that you find it, uh, put a little bookmark there, Isaiah 56. Let's go back. We're going to come back to that here in a moment, but I think it's going to make a lot more sense after we get through another little section here in Acts chapter 8. But what we see here for sure in Acts chapter 8 is that this guy is reading a portion of the Old Testament that very clearly is pointing him to Jesus. So what's going to happen? Look at verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? He is just like setting the table. He wants to hear the gospel. He's reading the Old Testament, a prophecy about the suffering servant. And he says to Philip, the believer, he says to him, like, who's this about? Oh, wide open door. He's going to walk right through that one. Look what he does. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Yes, he was ready. So so question number two is this. Are you ready? First of all, kind of a two-part question. Are you ready to be taught scripture? Because I don't want to miss out seeing things through the lens of the Ethiopian eunuch. Are you one like him who's willing to admit that you don't always understand Scripture when you're reading it. The reason the door was opened so wide for Philip to proclaim the gospel is because the Ethiopian eunuch was willing to say, I'm reading this and I don't get it. So, so, so maybe a question for you is, like, are you one who maybe you've been reading the Bible a long time, maybe a short time, are you willing to humble yourself enough to go to somebody else who you know might be able to help and say, I'm reading this and I don't quite get it. Can you help me out here? I think that's one thing we can learn from the Ethiopian. But secondly, are you ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from Scripture? Are you ready to just talk to somebody and in finding out where they're at, listening to them well enough that you can take them from where they're at, open up the Scriptures, and proclaim to them the good news about Jesus? That's what Philip does. One-on-one. Maybe that sounds super intimidating to you. Like, oh, that's, I don't have that gift. That's like a, that's like a other people thing. You know, when I was a new Christian doing street evangelism on Bourbon Street, I felt very ill-equipped. Most people there ignored me and us. Some mocked me and us. But there's this one guy whose breath smelled strongly of alcohol who wanted to talk a little bit more. He wanted to hear more. And so we went and we sat on a curb there on Bourbon Street where I had an opportunity to take this tiny little tract that I had with me, which had a bunch of scripture in it and kind of just walk it. That was helpful to have a tool to walk him through scripture. At the end of that time, he, 
he, he professed faith in Jesus and prayed. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I didn't never, so we actually did exchange addresses. That was like a thing people used to do, uh, write letters to each other. So, so we, we exchanged addresses and wrote letters back and forth, I think just once each. Uh, and I don't know, you know, uh, I think his name was Chris and I think he was from Ohio. Uh, maybe he's listening to the live stream. I, I have no idea, uh, you know, whether, whether this was a genuine conversion or if he passed out later and didn't remember anything that happened that night. I don't know, right? But I do know that it's quite possible for people that maybe feel a bit ill-equipped to share the gospel to do that. And God God provides for us great tools. I, I mentioned this in the, the first service as well. This is a tool that I've used. It's called You, Me, and the Bible. It's, it's not like a little quick gospel tract where you can just like, hey, drop it and leave. But it's one where if you have a relationship with somebody, enough that they would say, hey, I'd get together with you a couple times just to walk. It's, it's a guide to the six central ideas of the Bible that gets to the heart of the gospel. I've used this as a tool before. In fact, it was actually Ryan Barrick. Uh, when, his, when he was going through something tough, his dad invited him to come to church. I met with him that next week. He hadn't really been exposed to the gospel to any great length. So I just, you want to go through this together? And this is the tool that God used to walk through Scripture uh, that led him to Jesus. So, so, I, so I've used it in that way, been helpful. I need to use it again. Uh, but here's the deal. I've got a few copies in my office. And I, I'll give you a deal here, okay? This is a deal. It doesn't have an expiration date, but do it soon. I'll give you a deal. I will, I will give you a copy, and uh, I'll give you two copies, one for you and one for the friend with whom you set up an appointment to, to sit down and share the gospel. Somebody that God has laid on your heart that you say, hey, you know what? You want to get together and go over? Uh, I've learned a whole lot from the Bible. In fact, what I've learned from the Bible has changed my life. Uh, I've come to know Jesus. That changes everything for me, and that's so important to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. You want to sit down and talk about it sometime? They say yes, then come to me and say, hey, I want to take you up on that deal. Here's the person I'm going to meet with, and then we'll pray together for that person. I'll pray when you're meeting with that person, uh, and I'll give you a, a couple of copies for free. So take me up on that deal. If I have to order more, I certainly will. All right, next. There's another bit of readiness here, and that is the Ethiopian eunuch. So Philip shares the good news about Jesus, and now we're going to see somebody ready to believe and be baptized. So look at verses 36 through 38. Verse 36 says this, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip was ready to go when God sent him. He was ready to share the gospel. He shares the good news about Jesus, and the Ethiopian is ready to hear the gospel and respond. Now, I've got to point out, just a note, because if, if you're, if you're uh, into detail, you would read through whatever modern translation you're reading through. This would be different if you're reading through the King James Version or the New King James Version. But if you're reading through a modern translation, you would notice this. Look at your Bible. You see verse 36? You see verse 38? You see verse 37? Oh, not there, right? So interesting, right? What's going on there? You have a footnote in your Bible that inserts 37 in the footnote of your Bible. The reason for that being, 
when the King James translation was, was put together, you know, we're get, kind of putting all our verse names and numbers and all that stuff so that we can quickly find stuff. The manuscripts available at that time had verse 37 included. Okay, what we now call, you know, verse 37 was included in there. But as they later on would find earlier and more reliable manuscripts, those manuscripts did not include verse 37, which seems to indicate that one of the scribes copying the original manuscripts uh, at some point added what we see as verse 37 in the footnote here. There's no reason to believe that what is written in verse 37, which, you know, you can read it in your footnote if you can, wow. Um, And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay? Certainly, probably, some conversation like that took place. Right? That that would have been normal. That somebody professes, like, proclaims the gospel. And and before somebody's baptized, there would be a question. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe this. All right. Let's get baptized. Okay? So some, some scribe, like, oh, we, we, that's what they always do. So let's, let's put that in there. Right? So, so that was probably what happened. Okay? That's just the explanation. Regardless, what's happening here is it's pretty clear that the eunuch has not only heard the gospel, but he's believed the gospel. Philip is not going to baptize somebody who hasn't professed faith in Jesus. Right? So, this guy hears the gospel, believes the gospel, and I love the question that he asks. Hey, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Right? Again, remember, Gaza's the last stop before the desert road going into the continent of Africa. He's kind of thinking, well, there's not going to be many more chances. If what believers do, when God saves them, they put their faith in Jesus, then the way to show that to others is that they are baptized, right? Identifying with Christ in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Well, there's water, let's go do that. So he goes to do that immediately. See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Let's, uh, let's pause again for question number three. Question number three is kind of three parts, I guess, a little bit. Are, are you ready to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and be baptized? Are you ready to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and be baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch was ready to hear the good news about Jesus. Luke does not include for us what exactly Philip told him. He just says he told him the good news about Jesus. I don't ever want to assume that you're here and you've heard, a lot of you have heard the good news about Jesus, maybe even multiple times. People watching online, you've heard the good news about Jesus maybe multiple times. Maybe you weren't ready to hear. Maybe you're ready to hear today. So let me share with you the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus is this, that we have a God who made all things He is holy, righteous, perfect, and awesome. The problem for us is that we have sinned and fallen short, and our sin separates us from God, and we cannot have a right relationship with that God. That's the bad news. And the further bad news is there's nothing you can do about it on your own. Like, you can't make up the ground. You can't reconcile yourself to God. But God desiring to have a relationship with his people, a right relationship, sends his son Jesus, fully God, fully man, to live as our representative and die as our substitute, to be buried in a grave and to be raised from the dead with victory over sin and death. So that all 
who are born again through the power of the Holy Spirit, repent of their sin, trusting in Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting to Jesus as Lord, and filled with the Holy Spirit to be obedient to God and His Word and to be about His mission in the world. And this is our hope that we live with until the time when He calls us home or returns to take us with Him. So, have you heard the Gospel? If not, you just did just now. A more important question probably, though, is have you believed the Gospel? Do you, do you believe that? Maybe you've heard it before and you weren't ready to believe it, and maybe you're ready today. Then let today be the day where you turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus. And, and when you do that, you tell people about it. That's not a secret. Let me know. Let other people know that you hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then that final question is, have you been baptized? If you trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and have not testified to His saving work through being baptized as a believer, maybe you should ask the question that the Ethiopian eunuch asks. What prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me from being baptized? I know that people come from different backgrounds, and uh, I think the clearest teaching of Scripture is that those who are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus willingly choose to identify with Him by being baptized. But by, by, by having their, their body immersed under water and brought back up, which is kind of like a weird thing to do in front of people, right? But it's a beautiful picture of us identifying with Jesus in His life, death, burial, and resurrection and the new life we have in Christ. Which is why we do it, as an act of obedience. And so, I would encourage you, if you are a believer in Jesus who has not been baptized as a believer, to consider that. Uh, I put in the back uh, these baptism question and answer sheets that I put together, and I usually have a lot of things to say, so it's a super small font, uh, because I tried to answer questions that I know a lot of people have. Um, And so if you are just wanting, like you've got some questions and you want it, like, should should I be baptized? Um, I'd encourage you to pick one of those up. That is in the back um, on the table where you picked up the bulletins earlier. Have you heard? Have you believed? Have you been baptized? All right. I don't want to forget. So let's really quick, before we get, let's go to Isaiah chapter 56. You're all good. We used to always be together for an hour and 15 minutes, and then it all got shortened. We're we're doing an hour and 15 minutes today. Okay, you good with that? Um, Isaiah chapter 56. Okay, remember that the Ethiopian eunuch, who has now been saved, he's been baptized, right? I, I imagine that he didn't just like throw away the scroll after this. That he probably kept reading. You know, if, if he's like, wow, that, that, that good news about Jesus is right here in the prophet Isaiah written 700, like, I'm going to keep reading. If he keeps reading, look at what he reads. This is, this is incredible. In Isaiah 56, so three chapters later, remember, he's a, he's a eunuch and he's a foreigner, right? He's not an Israelite. Look at what he might read. This prophecy from Isaiah in Isaiah 56, starting in verse 3. This is goosebumpy kind of stuff. He would read this. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, 
to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Amen? Just the joy that would come to that foreigner who was a eunuch who was never going to have children. Like, I'm going to give you something better than sons and daughters. You're a foreigner, you're going to be one with my people, and I'm going to accept your worship before me. That's the prophecy that God is fulfilling in this time. Right? Man, that's awesome. And that's why we read in verse 39, I think, This is now the fourth point. And when they came up out of the water, back in chapter 8 now, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. But what did the Ethiopian eunuch do? He went on his way rejoicing. He's got a whole new life now. And he did what saved people do. Philip, Philip did what believers do shared the gospel God did what God does save sinners and the Ethiopian eunuch did what saved people do rejoice and what does Philip do he keeps on doing that work I don't get how this worked the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away I don't know that would have been cool to see verse 40 but Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He's got to keep going. It's not just, well, this is one man needed Jesus, yes, but a lot of other people do too. So he just keeps going. I wish we knew more about Philip, but I love what we know. He was a man with a good reputation. The apostles judged him to be one filled by the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and so they selected him to be a servant, a deacon in the church, one who would help oversee a food distribution program for widows. And he would serve in that way until he was, along with other believers, under the threat of persecution, seeking to flee into the region of Samaria. These people that they had been raised to look down upon, now they're preaching the gospel to them. They're full brothers and sisters in Christ. He faithfully preached to a Samaritan celebrity who practiced magic and then took a journey of many miles to preach the gospel faithfully to one man, an Ethiopian eunuch. We're not going to hear anything else about Philip until one quick reference in chapter 21. But what we will see is that just like Philip kept preaching the gospel, so did others. And as we keep going through the book of Acts, we're going to see it. God's going to just keep saving people. His people are going to keep proclaiming the gospel. People are going to keep getting saved. And sometimes even the most unexpected people, like a man named Saul, who we're going to look at next week. But here's the final application question. Are you ready to rejoice in your salvation and preach the gospel wherever you go? 
Church, are you ready to rejoice in your salvation? God's work on the road to an African desert in the year 34-ish A.D. is the same kind of work that God continues to do today. God keeps saving unlikely sinners. Sinners like us who ought to now spend our lives rejoicing in His saving work. And He continues to use pretty unknown servants like Philip, like you, like me, who just want to faithfully preach the gospel wherever God puts us. That when we feel a little bit of a nudge, I should talk to that person, we don't just shrug it off. We say, all right, I'm a little scared about that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to use a tool if that's helpful, but I want, I want to talk to that person about Jesus. Are you ready? You ready to go? You ready to share? ready to believe? you ready to hear? you ready to be baptized? you ready to rejoice and preach and keep going? Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that you would make us ready. There's a lot to walk through. I pray that uh, first and foremost you would just help us who are saved to just rejoice. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world. And we're brought together in this family unlike any other family we could ever be a part of. God, I pray that you would help us to sort through everything that I just said. Uh, there's stuff that's not right or true that that would be quickly forgotten or that I would be rebuked for saying it. But God, we also know there's a lot of work we need to do when it comes to understanding and then applying your word. And so whether that comes as a result of just conviction of your Holy Spirit, some, you know, talking together uh, with people in our family today, talking together with people in our life group, or sitting alone and processing through this, help us to be people who make a commitment to be obedient, to just take one step forward this week in some way, Trusting that as a whole church full of people would do that, that you would be pleased to draw people to yourself.